Hey everyone, thank you for tuning into this week's episode. I'm Evehi and I'm the host of Layers of Design. We as creatives and designers work so hard and come up with amazing products and designs that we're proud of. One thing a lot of us don't know how to do is to start or grow a business and more importantly, an online business. In this episode, I have a conversation with Erica Williams from Design Life Smart. She's a designer, mentor, and an online business expert. Erica started a consulting company, The Design Block, where she gives back to the profession through design and mentorship. She shares with us some tips that she's learned through her years of experience. And most of all, we really get to know who she is as a designer and a lot more about her passions. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Hey, Erica, welcome. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, so first, I guess, tell us what got you into architecture and design. All right. So architecture and design, I actually grew up, I'm first generation American. So my dad's, uh, my dad's Jamaican and my mom is Trinidadian. Okay. And I grew up just drawing and painting, not really even knowing what architecture was until um, about high school. So I was always that quiet kid drawing and I loved it. I, I did more realistic drawings and I just kind of keep to myself. And then one day I saw this, I used to stay up really late at night. I don't know why, but I would see, um, I watched TV and I saw the special on Zaha Adid and it was on PBS and I was so like drawn to that. I, I was like, I I didn't understand exactly what architecture was, but Mm -hmm. I just loved how passionate she was. Mm -hmm. And I loved how she like had her buildings look almost like sculptures that you can inhabit. Mm -hmm. And I stayed up till like two o'clock watching this special. And from that day on, I was like, "Ooh, okay, what does it take for me to become like that? So I, I took a drafting class. I learned how to draft in high school because apparently that was the track to be an mm-hmm. architect. And then the rest was history. Oh, wow. I think it's it's so cool that you um, saw Zaha and like you were drawn to architecture from that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great to see a woman of color, you know, mm-hmm. I. I, I think that's what also helps because it made me feel like, okay, I can do this. She almost paved the way mm-hmm. and made it look more tangible for me. That so, yeah. Sense. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, Zaha was, is actually a big inspiration because I love how, first of all, I am really inspired by her designs because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, they're very sculptural. There's a lot of thought and it's so dynamic. And also, it's just so powerful to see a woman of color just, you know, break barriers completely, despite everything and all of her challenges. So that's actually a big inspiration for me as well. That's awesome. Yeah, she she definitely did more probably than she imagined. I know mm-hmm. so many people that have been inspired by her. And, you know, I there, there was a building that was going up when I, I lived in Miami at the time. And it just finished and it's the one museum mm-hmm. and every time I pass by that I'm like oh my goodness it's like a little piece of her that I can like walk by um, <laughs> and so yeah her legacy definitely lives on. For sure um, okay so I guess tell us a bit more about your passions apart from architecture and design. So I, I've i always identified as a creative I like to call myself a serial creative but um, so I grew up playing the piano I grew up playing a lot of instruments 
painting, drawing. And, and one thing that I always felt like I loved doing was also teaching. So looking back, I never realized how, you know, all of this started from early on, but I actually started teaching piano when I was um, in high school, or actually, no, yeah, high school. I was in high school teaching piano, like little kids had to play because I, I started playing when I was eight. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to college, I was teaching people, you know, how to build presentations and how to do their portfolios to get into the architecture program. Mm-hmm. And now with the design block I and Design Life Smart, which is my personal brand, I'm teaching as well. I love to mentor, you know, people before me or even anybody that's interested in design, um, just different aspects that aren't necessarily touched in school or in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So my passion is definitely mentorship outside of um, design and architecture. That's that's really beautiful. Um, And I believe that mentorship is a very crucial part of our profession and in life in general, because, you know, that's the way we get to pass on all of the information and the knowledge that we have gained to other people. So I guess what drives this passion? And can you tell us more about your work with the design block? Yeah. So I'll start off with what drives the passion. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, so being from a first generation family, no one knowing, no one knowing about architecture, myself, not even really knowing. I felt completely lost when I was going in through architecture school. Mm-hmm. I know I had friends that I would lean on or ask questions, but my first portfolio was a nightmare. <laughs> my first <laughs> model was a nightmare. My first presentation, a little bit of less of a nightmare, but it was still pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like there wasn't really a Google resource or, you know, anything to kind of like ask or anyone to help mm-hmm. outside of, you know, the people I was going um, through it with. And I just, I told myself that if I ever make it through this thing called architecture school, <laughs> that I would create, um, I would create like a community or a path for other people to not have so much like resistance. It, mm-hmm. you know, the statistics of people that graduate from architecture school is so low already. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a person of color, and then if you're a woman, it, it's so low already that I wanted to kind of like break that barrier down as much as I can by creating a ladder and pulling people up that ladder as much, you know, as possible, because the more that people see other people doing things and the more that they see how much it is possible, then they'll realize that they can do it too. And so that's where my drive for that really came from. Um, The design block, it started just as an Instagram page back in 2014, believe it or not, it was just a hobby. Mm -hmm. I took a a little leave of, um, of absence from work to kind of just reset because you know architecture school and architecture um, jobs I, I worked at a top firm at the time it became very demanding in, in the city I was uh, working in so I created that as a way to connect with people while I was still um, on leave and I would just post you know a cool inspiration photo and at that time Instagram was a lot a lot more engaging you can actually post a picture and people would see it <laughs> so I would post a picture and I found that I was meeting people all over the world, people from India, people from, you know, Iran, all all aspects of life. Hmm. And I loved that I was able to I was able to stay at home and connect with people. Um, so with the design blog, I love that I was able to reach out to people just with a photo. And mm-hmm. um and it just it grew from there. So I I would do it here and there as a hobby and then in 2017, I was, you know, working at other companies. 
I was doing um, a lot of interesting, fun projects, but I always felt the need to want to be more of a mentor. And that's when I stepped out and became an entrepreneur hmm. um, back in 2017. And I created the design block to be a full-time consulting company. Um, so from that, it became a consulting company with four sectors. So the four sectors being community, education, tech, and design. So I do a little bit of everything. I do uh, design consulting, and it's just grown from there. Um, so yeah, the design block, it's a place where I can have my mentorship. I have a, a program called the Design Block Academy, mm-hmm. where I teach students, and I, I literally tell them everything that I wish I knew or like <laughs> wanted to know um, back in architecture school. So yeah, down to how to make a portfolio, how to do a presentation. And I have little small YouTube videos as well. I actually want to expand that channel, but I have courses where I go more in depth. Oh, nice. And I saw, scrolling through your Instagram, I saw that you have, um, like, you do these visits to um, universities. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, yeah. So um, I went on a little, I call it my little summer design tour. So I went through and... um, So the University of South Florida is where I graduated and got my master's. So I've been invited uh, to speak a couple times and do student lectures. So I would go back and meet with those students and give as much mentorship as possible Mm -hmm. and then, you know, speak as well. And in addition to that, I I actually was about to start the full uh, United States tour before the coronavirus hit. So Mm -hmm. that's a little bit on hold, unfortunately. But in the meantime, I'm hoping to reach people through the the Instagram and the YouTube channel. So we have, yeah, have definitely the schools picked and, you know, trying to set up more dates. Um, but as as you know, everything's kind of on hold right now. Yeah. <laughs> and how how are you speaking of everything being on hold? I guess how are you um, restructuring, or how have you restructured the design block? Yeah. So the funny thing, and and it's not really funny. It's just interesting because when I created the 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 funny thing is, is when I created the design block, I wanted it to be almost recession-proof in a way. I I didn't want to just rely on architecture and design as the main source of of outreach or income. Mm -hmm. And that's because I've always kind of loved tech. You know, I I realized that the power of technology and social media has shifted businesses beyond um, my beliefs. And, yeah, and it's almost like adapt or get left behind. Mm -hmm. So from the creation of the design block, as you know, it was started on the Instagram. So it started off tech from the beginning. (laughs) And so my business hasn't necessarily changed that much. Um, Besides the consulting and actually going to meetings, Mm -hmm. um, that's slowed down. But I've shifted a lot more, you know, and it's not really a shift. It's just more focused to, you know, digital outreach. So I'll make videos on YouTube. I am having webinars. I have, um, you know, Zoom chats with people that I'm mentoring. And so, yeah, when you embrace technology from the beginning, you don't really feel that much of a shift, which is nice. Oh, nice. I love how, um, I guess, dynamic and how, what's the word I'm looking for? How flexible your company is and your mind. Thank you. Um, So when it comes to mentorship, what do you feel is important to teach? Or what do you make sure you get across to your mentors? Okay, so... I, my, the school that I graduated with, um, so the school that I graduated from, amazing school, um, a lot of people are great at creating the product. So they're great at creating the model. They're great at doing the drawings. They're so creative. But one thing that I found in all creative people, 
is mm-hmm. that they lack a sense of um, almost confidence when it comes to presentation. Oh, wow. So th- they have all of this passion built into their projects and all of this work and time and sleepless nights. But sometimes when they get up to talk about it, they're just, they're presenting like, uh, you know, um, uh, I think I did this. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, there's no real presentation or no real, I'd say it sounds bad, but marketing pitch in a way for sure. their product. And at the end of the day, when you really look at it as designers, we only are as good as how we present our projects mm-hmm. to get other people to feel the passion, to understand the project. And that's one thing I've always tried to, to convey to my mentors is that learn how to present, mm-hmm. you know, learn how to public speak, learn how to kind of create and paint a picture around your project so that people not only see your projects, but they can also feel the emotion that you put into it. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that's the missing link that a lot of creatives have. They tend to be introverted. They tend to be shy. They tend to think that, oh, my work is going to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. But it's almost furthest from the truth, right? Like, mm-hmm. I almost feel like that's the stereotype that the starving artist is built <laughs> on. You know, people say, if, yeah, if people say, if I go into art or if I go into design, I'm going to be starving. I'm not going to make it because there's just there's no money in design. Yeah. But then there's those few people, I mean, not design, I'd say art. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do a certain kind of type of design, you're you're okay. But there's a certain few people that they know how to speak about their paintings that they're making millions. So what is the difference between those people and the person that's going to the county fair and uh, the the farmers market showing their paintings? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just how they're presenting their self, their brand, and their art to get people to be passionate about it too. Mm-hmm. I, so yeah, it's just definitely present presentation is the key. Wow, I think that's you touched on a very important topic, especially for designers and creatives. Like you said, we find it difficult to kind of um really express ourselves in terms of presenting our work because we we mm-hmm. could produce the most beautiful designs and the most beautiful pieces of art, but sometimes it's just challenging. And I feel it also comes from um I guess not being either not being confident enough as to mm-hmm how everyone else will perceive what we've done. And I think that comes with a lot of designers where we become very, I guess, tied to our, like our, what we produce. So we become very protective over what we produce and that kind of affects our confidence. I know it happens to me. (laughs) (laughs) It happens to a lot of people. It used to happen to me a lot. And it still does. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. I'm perfect, but it's a challenge that a lot of people still struggle with. And, and, and I go over it in my course, I actually created a whole course about this uh, mm-hmm. face the design jury and beyond because now, you know, especially with the recession going on, mm-hmm. there is a time when you're going to have to go for a job interview and it's not just presenting for a, a design jury. It's about how are you going to present yourself for a job interview? Mm-hmm. How are you going to present yourself when you have a job and you're going to do a client pitch and you need this project? How are you going to get these projects coming in? So down to that, it's all about mindset. It's mm-hmm. all about prepping even before you get in front of people. And I go all in depth with that. I don't want to take too much of your time. But, yeah, it's it's a whole a whole game almost that you have to do to yourself. For sure. You know, I just thought about going through architecture school. Um, No one actually sat down and was like, this is how you present. And this is how, you know, you mm-hmm. present your idea to a jury or to your client. I remember taking one presentation course, but it was like an elective. 
Yep, me too. <laughs> yeah. me too. And I was horrible at it. I failed. I didn't <laughs> fail, but I felt like I was horrible at it. I ended up getting like a B or something, but that's it. That yeah. is it. So far, so far, us like always presenting to clients or to the community, it's really interesting that this, I guess the idea of presentation skills is not pushed more in schools. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's just a, a common thing that people don't really pay attention to in a way mm-hmm. because they don't feel like it's part of the tradition, you know, they don't feel mm-hmm. like it's something that. You know, I had it's something that they, as a teacher, didn't have to go through necessarily. So why should I put my students through this? Mm-hmm. But I feel like that is the missing link that a lot of these students, when they come out into the real world, quote unquote, or even people that are already in the real world are lacking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, I know I may not sound like it, but I'm a classic introvert. I am somebody, <laughs> I can be in a room with a computer and you won't see me for days <laughs> if, if you let me. And I'm fine just being, you know, that way. Mm-hmm. But I know that when I'm in front of a group of people or when I'm on this amazing podcast with you and <laughs> when I'm in front of, you know, an audience that I need to, you know, step into my, you know, the Erica that's on stage. And and it's not just because I'm, it's not something that I'm faking. Mm-hmm. It's just that I've learned how to tap into this, you know, presentation mode that I need to do because as an introvert I don't feel like it's who you are I feel like it's almost a label sometimes mm-hmm. to make people comfortable mm-hmm. um it, it gives them excuses to be a certain way and I actually I tell people I teach people that you don't have to just live off of this label that you've given yourself mm-hmm. you know there are introverted extroverts there are times when extroverts are sometimes the, or introverts are sometimes the loudest in the room and why is that why is why is Michael Jackson, you know, when he was doing interviews, mm-hmm. why was he so quiet and calm mm-hmm. and so like a whisper? But then when he was on stage, he was a completely different person. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, why did Beyonce create this new, this avatar, Sasha Fierce, so that she <laughs> can get over her fears of being mm-hmm. on stage? Even people like performers and people in theater, they do this mechanism. And it's almost like a survival mechanism because they know. They have to step out of who they really are to get the results that they want. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, no problem. Yeah, um, I'm all about sharing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, so it's, as designers and creatives, um, I know that it's important for us to, I guess, understand our finances because, you know, we need to know how we can monetize our ideas especially how to run a business because I know we kind of struggle with I guess going from producing beautiful pieces and beautiful work and you know transforming it into that monetization of it so we can make profit from it and still enjoy what we do so Mm -hmm. I know that's also one of your passions um, (laughs) I guess talking on finances and helping people um, grow in their online business. So can you tell right. us more about that, please? Yeah, I am very passionate about this. <laughs> I know, um, especially as becoming, you know, when I stepped into entrepreneurship, I realized mm-hmm. that, you know, I could design and I can create a space and, and that's fine. But what can I do that shares my gifts with other people, but also I can create that income for myself. And mm-hmm. and that wasn't the only reason. I didn't want to just find a way to uh, create income. Okay. I also, I wanted to just, I also wanted to share pe- with people that, 
you know, as creatives, honestly, creatives should be the most wealthiest people in the world. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they are the stars of music videos, <laughs> not the stars, but they're the brains behind music videos. They're the brains behind movies. Mm-hmm. They're the brains behind these beautiful spaces. Mm-hmm. But why does nobody know who they are? They should be the stars. And I just want to, I want to share people. I want to, I want to tell people that you have these superpowers that you just have to share with the world. And, you know, you're given these gifts from birth that you may not think that they're gifts, Mm -hmm. but to other people, they are talents and they will literally compensate you for those talents. And I think that's one of the other things that, you know, creatives, they're afraid to kind of overcharge their work or they're mm-hmm. they're afraid to to sell their work because they feel bad and i believe that's a, a belief system that the whole creative community has as a blanket sometimes mm-hmm. um that they need to just rip off because if you aren't going to value your work then what makes you think other people are and i i actually created this this thing called the hashtag no starving artist movement just mm-hmm. kind of playing on that stereotype that you know, artists think that if you're going to go into art or design, you're going to be starving. I'm creating this movement with my personal brand, Design Life Smart, to teach people that you can monetize your talent. So you can have a YouTube channel, you can create a course, and people are going to compensate you fairly based off of how you value yourself. And I think it's super, super important for other creatives to know about finance and to know how to run an online business, especially in this climate. Um, right now where, you know, businesses are closed, literally stores that we grew up with are, are filing for bankruptcy mm-hmm. and disappearing. Yeah. So what is that shift that you can take and use your creative superpowers, like to call it, to create an income for yourself and your family? You know, you have these gifts. What can you do to share the world or to share those gifts with the world? And online is, for me, the best solution, you know, when I first started online business back in 2007, 2018, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you can make money all hours of the day <laughs> because guess what? When I'm sleeping in, in Florida, people are up over yeah. in Australia, yeah. you know? <laughs> so the the thing, the mindset that, that you, you step into, it's just unbelievable with online business. And I, I break it down all the time with um, my mentors and my mentees. And um, it's it's something that people just need to open their eyes to. It's the future. <laughs> and it's the present right now. So why not give it a try? For sure. Um, so as, with all of your knowledge on finances, I have a question. As, sure. Um, so if someone is, you know, fresh out of school and they decide to, I guess, jump into being an entrepreneur as a creative, what advice would you give them in terms of, you know, starting out their business or just getting their finances right? So I, um, straight out of school, that's going to be a little iffy because I know a lot of people, they graduate um, with a lot of debt already mm-hmm. from college. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say that they're debt free. Mm-hmm. I do recommend that they still get um, some cash flow, whether it's you're working a small job, you're working another place. I, I would recommend to have that cash flow coming in. Like um, basically cash flow is just having a paycheck, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's every two weeks or if you're doing Uber, don't just stop working to learn how to do business. Mm-hmm. I found when I did it, I, I honestly, I feel like I did it the wrong way. <laughs> I, I 
stop my job and I'm like, okay, what do I do now? I have my savings. I'm going to figure this out. But that is um, a little bit more scary because sadly, I feel like money is also tied to confidence in a way. And when you lose all of that money at one time, um, whether it's, you know, that income mm-hmm. um, that you had before, or if you even if you're a college student, you don't have really much income um, coming in before that. Mm-hmm. It makes you um, kind of compressed as a person mm-hmm. and as something that, you know, you can really instill into your business. So creating that cash flow, finding a mentor definitely would be the first or second step that I rec- would recommend. Um, find somebody doing something that you want to do and ask them to mentor you. Um, you'll cut lines, you'll cut through their success line a lot faster than they did because they'll literally tell you straight up, but don't do that. Don't do that. Focus on this. Um, and then three, make sure that you are consistent. If you decide you want to do e-commerce, stay Mm -hmm. with e-commerce. If you want to do YouTube, stay with YouTube. Don't do a little bit of everything because you're not going to see the results fast. And then that's going to lower your confidence as well. So those could be my three points. Um, for now, but the list can go on. <laughs> of course, and definitely, <laughs> it definitely could go on. Yeah, I would definitely recommend all of the listeners to you know head over to your page, Design Life Smart, and the Design yeah. to Thank get you. more tips because you, you yeah. really, really insightful tips on how you've grown and all of your experiences. Yeah, and Design Design Block is spelled. Uh, the design B-L-O-C. Some people may think it has a K at the end of it, mm-hmm. but Black actually stands for community in Latin. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be a little extra. I wanted to uh-huh. take it off, off the K. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's basically the design community. And I was um, that was my first like kind of forefront that I wanted to just focus on community. Mm-hmm. And Design Life Smart it is my personal brand, like you said, and mm-hmm. I focus more on mentorship and my personal day-to-day life and finances and business building and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Okay. So, you've touched on two topics, right? So, the first mm-hmm. one is community. How yeah. important do you think community is to us as designers? Community is... I would say definitely important. Um, it's it's important for me in different ways, though. So mm-hmm. like I said, I'm, I'm an introvert, so I could be solo and be fine. But mm-hmm. you tend to get lost if you don't have a benchmark or um, kind of like a community to kind of share ideas or build yourself up or even have someone to lean on. Mm-hmm. Um, as a community, you can learn from other people. You can you know, bounce ideas off of each other. And and I'm really finding the more the importance with community now that everyone's on lockdown as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how does our how do our spaces kind of define who we are as people? And how do our spaces define who we are as a community? And when you take that community aspect out, it almost feels a little bit less enjoyable in a way. <laughs> because even if I'm an entrepreneur, I loved going to Starbucks and just mm-hmm. sitting with a bunch of other people. Even if I wasn't talking to anyone, the idea that I was around other people and having and feeling that energy, it it made me, you know, work a lot better. I feel. Um, and community, it can drive ideas, it can build momentum, and I think that it's really important for people to kind of stay stay in touch with each other somehow, uh, whether it's a small community or a large community. 
so yeah I think it's really important I I completely agree <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think um, I mean I think community is like you said it's important for people to stay connected and it's also important for you know designers to not only bounce off ideas but also get inspired by their community and I feel that's what drives a lot of designers and creatives um because they get fixated on how to improve the community or how to you know keep the community growing through design mm -hmm. so I yeah. think it, it is definitely an important aspect um so you also touched on consistency mm -hmm. and I know like for me personally I've been struggling with you know consistency and I know a lot of people also struggle with this so from your experience I guess what are the things you have done to help achieve um, more a more consistent pattern in design or in your work okay so that's a good question so I was the queen of not being consistent <laughs> I was the queen I I didn't go to bed at the same I actually still don't go to bed at the same time I I I was just someone that I was a, I am a free spirit by nature I mm. I work best at night I can stay up till two three o'clock get work done but I found that if I wasn't consistent with my task, at least, mm -hmm. that I dropped the ball. Um, yes. So I I could I could wake up at a certain time and go to bed at a certain time, but if I didn't have my list of things to do mm -hmm. for that day and I didn't have a highlighter next to it, I was not going to have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> I I became I became very aware of my progress as an entrepreneur when I became an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, out like when you're when you, when you don't have a boss looking at you and telling you to finish something or you don't have a team member that is depending on you to finish you really find a lot about yourself and how um you work so mm -hmm. when i realized that i decided to change that as much as i could and now i have little systems that i create for myself so one of the systems that i do is anytime before i go to bed i write down all of the things that i need to do the next day and that list, I can just pour out as many things. So 20 things, 30 things, whatever it is, even if it's down to like go for a quick jog or make a cup of coffee and take a break, mm -hmm. I will write that down. Mm -hmm. And then the next day I'll wake up and I'll have my highlighter and I'll make it a game. I'll say, let's see how many things I can scratch off my list. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the day, if I get like half of it off, I will treat myself to something. It's, you know, it's reward <laughs> mentality, but it almost helps me. It helps me be consistent. So I'll get a little Starbucks, you know, Frappuccino or something and tell myself I did a good job just because I am kind of reward driven. And I think that's how a lot of millennials are unfortunately yeah. right now. Um, <laughs> if we don't, if we don't get our little sticker or a little stamp by the end of class, then we feel like we didn't do a good job. Uh, that's how we all grew up. But um, so I will make it a game. And I found that if I do that, I will stay consistent. I also, make sure that I take breaks, you know, I will work, um, there's a thing called Pomodoro, where you work for about 20 minutes, mm -hmm. and then or 40 minutes, and then you take uh, a break, and then you get back to work. And that's because your brain waves only work for a certain amount of time before they get distracted. So I've actually worked with my body uh, to create that consistency as well. Mm. Um, when I wake up, within the first hour or so, I won't have my phone with me at all because I know that's a time where I'm still kind of drifting and I'm still not really like 
you know, I haven't set my intention for the day. So I won't have my phone or I won't check email for the first hour. I'll have my coffee. I will, you know, kind of do some yoga stretches. And then that will wake me up so that I'm primed for Mm -hmm. my day. So those little things, those little hacks that I do is what keeps me consistent. And it it helps produce results um, a lot better and a lot faster. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing. I'm going to try some of those. I'm getting a bit better at my consistency, but <laughs> Good. it's definitely something I struggle with a lot. And I know yeah. one of the things that I've always struggled with is kind of putting too much on my plate, way more than I can mm-hmm. handle. So right now I'm practicing, you know, patience, how to cut things back and how not to just overwhelm myself with a bunch of things that I want to do. That's good. Yeah. I, I think people, it's very easy to lose focus and um, when you're doing your own own thing and, and it's hard. And that's why I do feel like community also, even if it's a micro community, mm-hmm. um, because as soon as, as soon as my, say my e-commerce store starts getting a lot of orders, I will actually reach out to a, something called a virtual assistant hmm. where they will help me to fulfill orders, answer emails, and I can start to delegate my tasks. Um, and I think delegating um, is going to help you kind of stay consistent, also not feel like you're drowning, because okay. the more you can kind of know your systems and know your your processes, mm-hmm. the faster you can outsource your processes. And that's one of the things I teach as well, because with online business, it's so nice you can do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought when I was working full-time as an architectural designer, I was like, I need to clone myself. How do I do this? <laughs> I can't finish all this work. But when you're doing online business, you're like, okay, I can record my screen, show somebody how to do this, and then send them the recording, and then they take care of it. I don't even open my emails anymore. So, yeah, it's just, just understanding how to systemize and optimize. Oh, very nice. Um, so this has been a great conversation, and I really appreciate you taking some time and giving us so much advice and so much of the knowledge that you already have but before we go first of all do you have any questions for me um i would say what is something that you feel like people are looking for now as uh mentors you know what is something that you feel like the design community really is thirsty for or, or craving to be taught or or one thing that is just something that everyone can benefit from at this point that's a really good question. Um, I feel like right now everyone is kind of looking for different ways to use their creative energy and they're looking for different avenues to put it because I know, for example, a bunch, I graduated with a bunch of architects, right? And mm-hmm. getting out of architecture school, most like what we've been taught a lot of times is that it's this straight road. Like you get out of school and you go straight into working. I think it's, um, it's really come to a lot of people's realization that it's not only a nine to five architecture job that you can have. We can do so many different things, especially because design school really taught us how to be designers more than architects, honestly, because architecture is so, there's so much to architecture and, you know, a big part of architecture is the technical aspect, which we don't necessarily get taught that in school. So mm-hmm. I think coming out of school, it's, I, I think people need more and they need to know that 
that the whole world of design is available to them because we already have all of these skills. We've been taught, you know, how to conceptualize different ideas, bring it to reality. We've been taught so many different programs and exposed to so many different things that people and designers need to know how to utilize all of these skills to create more than just architecture. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, it's it's something I think a lot of people um, during this time, um, even especially with sometimes people losing their jobs, they're realizing how can I shift to, to survive <laughs> in a way? Um, what can I do to make money even if I'm still home? And how can I use my talents? And, and it's exactly what I'm, I'm trying to focus on as well because I'm seeing the need grow as well. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're, you know, you saw that too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And especially because, you know, if, if, if you're an architect or if you're an architectural designer, you're, you might get frustrated because I know sometimes I get frustrated just in general with the profession and with how much it demands from us. So just to even know and be able to just express that in so many different ways apart from architecture, I think that's one of the beautiful aspects of the design profession. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I 100%. <laughs> so what, at the moment, what designer or architect inspires you and why? Ooh. You put me on the spot. <laughs> that is very interesting. I I don't have, okay, if I, it's sad because the same one that brought me into architecture is the same one that I, I get inspired from still. Um, Zahadid. <laughs> yeah. Zahadid. Yeah. Um, there are so many new architects and mm-hmm. so many new um I guess companies that came out, but there's just one thing that anchors me to her. Um, and you know, it's sad that she had to go so soon and, and, and all of this stuff, but I, I just, I'm always constantly drawn to her as, um, not only just as an architect, but as she, as she carried her business as well and how she carried herself. Mm -hmm. And I think we just need more women, women in color being on the forefront. Um, kind of sharing who they are and not just being the architect, but being that, that person, that's that spoke person, that's that person that's out there, you know, giving presentation, that person that that's out there kind of sharing their story. And, and I think the more we see that, um, the more people get inspired. So I'm actually, that's part of my mission as well, but I would say Zaha Hadid. Yeah. She's, she's timeless. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so, so much for coming on, Erica, and sharing, you know, you. about yourself and your business. And I can't wait to see what more you have to offer, because I know I'm always struggling <laughs> to see what you have next. Oh, thank you. No, this has been awesome. This has been a pleasure. And if anyone that's listening, if they want to reach out to me on the design block or at the design uh Sorry, at the design block or at Design Life Smart. Mm-hmm. Feel free send me a message. Let me know you heard uh, about me from the Layers of Design podcast. And yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Definitely. Thank you, Erica. Have a great day. Thank you. You too.